Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode 153, dealing with flexible guards and how to smash small people. <laughs> I'm your co-host, <laughs> Kieran Lefebvre, joined by Adam Childs. Yes, yes. Hello, everyone. Smashing small people. That is a <laughs> not exactly what we're talking about today, sort of, but um, that was just a... I wouldn't call it an inside joke, but when Kira and I were talking about what we would talk about on this episode and we were messaging each other through WhatsApp and I kind of just like very broadly, like, well, I didn't say how to beat people with flexible guards. I was just like how to smash small people. But in my head I was like, I was talking about small guard players with really flexible guards. There's not a lot of, there's not, it's hard to make space and then yeah. fill that space before they refill it. And anyway, mm-hmm. hence the colloquially, we'll just refer to it as smashing small people. And in my mind, I literally thought that Adam wanted to do an episode on like, okay, so here's the scenario, guys. You're 100 kilos. You're rolling up against a 50 kilo chick. This is what you got to do. Like, <laughs> but, suffer, neon belly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, however... For the people who watched um, now like two weeks back as of this episode's live, for people who watched the Polaris event that was on at the same weekend as the Gordon Ryan's return to who's number one, uh, the, the big standout star of that whole event of the whole weekend of you know one of the the best performances over the last x amount of jiu-jitsu competitions was for Fabrizio Andre who you know made it all the way to the final and then got beaten by Kynan but I mean he's 66 kilos I think and and took out Giancarlo Bordoni who was the 88 kilo reigning ADCC champion you know and so obviously you know, how do you phrase it? Like, I'm not going to say, you know, how to, how to, because we've done episodes before on how to beat bigger, stronger opponents or how to roll or how to deal with bigger, stronger opponents. Um, obviously, that is where the conversation goes the majority of the time because it makes the most sense as well, you know, because it's like, well, why do you need to reverse that conversation? Like, the bigger dude has the advantage or whatever. However, in a, to some degree, the conversation is worth having because when you, I mean, clearly we've seen multiple times in absolute divisions, the smaller guy beating the bigger guy, you know, and, of you know, jujitsu was designed or people sell it as being designed or created as the smaller weaker person beating the bigger stronger person which we all know is true if the smaller person is trained and the bigger person isn't trained right um it's not the case when people of equal skill level hence why there's weight divisions but i mean it's hard to question that like you know it's it's hard to say like oh Fabricio beat Giancarlo because he's that much better. Like I'm not taking a diss at Fabricio. I'm just kind of defending that. Well, Giancarlo is ADCC champion, you know, at 88 kilos. So like, obviously, to some degree, the conversation's worth having. Of of well, okay, you you might be the bigger person who outweighs them, but do you have to approach a match with 
someone who's one or two weight divisions below you differently. So smashing smaller people is still relevant, <laughs> I believe. Um, that's how we got on to talking about this. Um, before we dive into it, though, there's a couple of little housekeeping things that uh, I just want to mention. We mentioned it at the end of last week's episode, which means nobody heard it because it was right at the end of the episode. So Kieran and I just both individually have a bit of shameless self-shoutouts. So, uh, yeah, I'll get it out of the way quickly. I have finally caved and am attempting to be a little bit more active on social media. So I have started a personal Instagram, which I previously had deleted, but now I've restarted a personal Instagram, a personal YouTube and a TikTok, which all share the same content. The handle for all of them is Adam Childs BJJ. I've learned that it doesn't instantly come up when you search it on YouTube. I don't know why. I guess because it's only a brand new channel with two or three videos. However, I'm going to... I've made a promise to myself. I've made a promise to Kieran that I will knuckle down and be more active. It's All the content is the same across the three platforms. So wherever you like to choose your content, but it's essentially just vertical real shorts or whatever you want to call them. Little 30 second videos of just like techniques or technique tips or a detail of a technique or whatever. So that's my shameless plug. Uh, if you guys would care to follow or subscribe, awesome. If not, that's cool too. Kieran, oh, yeah. your plug. <laughs> Mine is a butt plug. Uh, <laughs> Um, I just want to rehash that chess episode we talked about with yeah, how do you good. cheat in chess? <laughs> oh, there's been developments in that. I know, well. I know. I yeah, haven't followed it. About it. <laughs> I haven't followed it as closely as you have. Oh, but I'm all over that. Yeah, shit. yeah. Like anyway, chess. back to your butt plug. Back to my butt plug. Okay, so yeah, I have started a podcast called BJJ Strong Podcast, specifically about uh, performance for jiu-jitsu, so strength and conditioning, mobility, nutrition everything in that realm. It is on all streaming platforms and predominantly on my YouTube channel. You can find that, Kieran Lefebvre, Jiu-Jitsu. Link is in the description, as is uh, a link to Adam's socials. If you want to subscribe and check that out and follow along, that is also in the description. So, yeah, so essentially Kieran and I are beginning our separation. That's right. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, um... But yeah, guys, yeah, so check out Kieran's podcast if you're into some more you know, specific... That's actually, it's, sorry to cut you off, but it's fucking ironic that you say that, like we're beginning our separation, knowing what we know. Um, yeah, that's just... This is Why? I don't, what do we know? Well, what do we know, Adam? <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> we don't know anything that we're going to talk about yet. But uh, yeah, just knowing what we know... Don't worry. Uh, we'll talk about it off air. Confused. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut this shit out. This is like the worst answer. I'm so confused. Kieran, Kieran, I'm, I'm very oh. confused. Kieran, yeah. we'll, we'll stop recording. Kieran will be like, bro, remember? I quit jujitsu yeah. <laughs> months ago. I'm just, no, we're, no, no, no. we're phasing. <laughs> what is the opposite of separating? Oh, okay, okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. With you now. With you Thank now. You. Thank Kieran you. and I are getting married, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are. We are now openly gay. Uh, welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome. Start our own OnlyFans channel. Oh, Sex I wipes. actually had. 
<laughs> I had a guy come into the gym today. Um, I, I missed the opportunity to, to shamelessly plug the podcast to him because he came in. He's just moved from Canberra, which um, for international listeners is a few hours away from Sydney. And he's, so he's just moved cities. And so he's trained for a year and a half, I think he said. So he was looking for a new gym. And I don't really know the jiu-jitsu scene in Canberra, but I know there's an Atos there and, yep. you know, whatever else. And so I just asked, oh, you know, what gym were you training at in Canberra? And he said, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like it was like beyond Fight Factory or something. It was beyond oh, wow, something. Okay. And I was like, I was like, oh, but then the conversation moved straight away. And I was like, uh, yeah, whatever. We need to get a poster, bro. I know, I should put a poster in the gym. Yeah. yeah. Anyway... Butt plugs. Tell me, what was the de- <laughs> what was the development? So I know this is slight little off topic, but it's on brand for us. I actually want to know. On brand. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I actually want to know what was the development in the in the. Give me a, the short version of what was the development in the chess. So for long story short, for people who don't know, there was a big scandal with cheating in chess and people were like, how do you even cheat in chess? And yeah. it was like, well, you can essentially use a, a butt plug that can send vibrations to mm. yeah, essentially tell you Give which you move to make and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Development. Yeah, so the accusation, Hans Neiman, uh, young junior player, very strong American uh, grandmaster, was accused by Magnus Carlsen of cheating in an over-the-board tournament. Uh, Magnus Carlsen dropped out of the event. If you don't know Magnus, world's no, world number one uh, chess player, highest rated Like the Gordon Ryan of chess. Exactly. Gordon Ryan of chess. But uh, less socially awkward. I'd say he's up there being <laughs> as socially awkward. He's pretty socially awkward, but in like a positive way. He's, he's, he's the bad boy persona as well in chess, sort of. I don't know. He's yeah, good. yeah. Anyway, uh, so Hans Neiman um, sued both Magnus Carlsen uh, chess.com and uh, Hikaru Nakamura, which is a chess streamer, uh, the most probably the most popular chess, chess streamer in the world, and uh, for $100 million combined. And that lawsuit was was dropped. Um, they aren't saying, obviously, you know, it was settled outside of court, so they're, you know, they're, they would have an NDA. They're not going to disclose how much was paid either way, if, if at all, anything. And uh, Hans Neiman can now play on chess.com again. And he went on the Pierce Morgan show. Hans Neiman went on the Pierce Morgan show and was interviewed by Pierce Morgan. And Pierce just would not let the butt plug thing go. He just kept bringing it up. Oh, really? Just kept ha- oh, yeah. Just cringeworthy. Just kept hammering it. And ha- Hans was did the show with his lawyer, which was a bit weird. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very awkward, fucking hilarious interview. Uh, even if you don't like chess, it's actually worth watching. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people like Pierce Morgan either. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a pretty. I mean, I don't operate in the journalism circles to, but you know, like in terms of, like he's not a empathetic, sympathetic interviewer. Like he's very aggressive. Aggressive, yeah, and that's exactly how the interview went. It was incredible. Which, which, which is fine if in the particular interview conversation, argument, whatever you want to label it. Yeah, that's fine if you agree with Piers's point of view because, you know, like, yeah. and then, then it's fine, you know, when you enjoy seeing someone hammer someone when you agree with that person's point of view. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's not a very diplomatic show, is it? The Piers Morgan no. show. But Piers like straight up asked him, he's like, have you ever 
you cheated in chess using a butt plug. <laughs> Have you ever? Oh, I bet he did. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> Multiple yeah, yeah. times he kept bringing it up. Yeah, it was so yeah. bad. But obviously, that was an offhanded comment made by a different chess streamer, retweeted by uh, Elon Musk, which is why people attach to this story. No. Anyway. anyway, all right. Well, that's 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 the butt plugs. On to what we're actually talking about today. So, so yeah, essentially. Small guys, I, I want to talk about how to how to deal with you know smaller guys, predominantly their guard, but ha- but how do you deal with them as a whole? Because even though I'll tell you, even though I'm, you know, when I was in my competitive stage of of my career, I would fight at at eighty eight kilos. And then I moved up to 94. If I had, you know, if I was going to go do Worlds or something, I would make it back down to 94. But but day in day life at the moment, I walk around, you know, I wake up in the morning at about 100 is what I'm at, you know, usually around about 100 kilos. So I'm a bit, 20 pounds for Americans. You didn't call them freedom units. Yeah. That's yeah. usually what Kieran called it. He thought he'd give it a break. So... um so I'm I'm obviously a bigger dude. I'm also six four. So I'm not like uh, a sh- I'm not a short dude who's big because I'm like overweight or jacked. Like I'm, I mean, I guess the more I lean into my dad bod, I I, <laughs> I kind of move closer towards just being a fat shit. But <laughs> I would I would most commonly be referred to as lanky. You know, I'm pretty lanky. I guess now I'm probably skinny fat which is quite a unique skill to have to be able to do both those things at once. You'd both be lanky and skinny fat. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I'm obviously a bigger dude. shaming you today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And if I'm going against someone the same, you know, ballpark, the same skill level as me, I have a way harder time with a smaller person Mm. than someone my size, you know, which which like the way the styles match up or maybe, okay, maybe that's a slight exaggeration. Like if, if I'm a little bit better than them, let's say they're a a fellow black belt, but I'm a little bit, you know, better than them, more technical than them or, or whatever. Mm. Maybe I deal with them. Okay. But if they're, if they have anything that edges me out and what I mean by edges me out because there's multiple attributes, you know, so if everything's equal, but they're a little bit more technical than me, or if everything's equal, but they've got a better gas tank than me, or if everything's equal, but they've got, you know, they're more aggressive. Like if they edge me out in any particular area, I struggle with guys smaller than me, way more than dudes my size. And and I think I don't think that's unique to me. I know we've got quite a few big dudes in the gym, quite a few like sort of six four over a hundred kilo guys in the gym. Not heaps, but a few of them. And the majority of them have a similar issue where they 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 find it more difficult dealing with people smaller than them. And I think it comes from the fact that against a smaller opponent, regardless of the position, but, I mean, again, mainly guard we might be talking about, but Mm. predominantly the issue is that, the issue for me in this case, is that 
it's very hard to create the space that you need, right? So if we're talking about passing the guard, the space we need is their their knees separated from their chest. So I can get chest to chest. Or even if, yeah, it could be half guard, the ability to, to you know, you know, whatever it is, uh, clear that top knee shield to get chest to chest. The ability to, you know, you might get your seatbelt, but then the space you need to put your hooks in, right, is, is really difficult. And it can work the other way as well, you know. When a smaller dude takes the space away from a bigger dude, the amount of space that I need to get my, my knee shield back in or the amount of space I need to be able to pummel an underhook with my long fucking gorilla arm, rather than a small arm. So it can be really hard to find the space you need, whether it's offensively or defensively. And then even if you find the space or create the space, typically the smaller person is much faster than you and they have less mass to move so they can refill that space quicker than you can. And that's where a lot of the issue comes from, like like dealing with smaller people, guys, as a bigger guy. I, yeah, I totally get your point. And I think I was very, when you first brought this up, I kind of like threw it away, like offhandedly, but like, well, you know, but bigger guys, they're just heavier, they're stronger. You know, it's not really, um, not worth talking about. It's not really what I was going for, but it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, where's the substance there? But now that you, when you're explaining it, it makes perfect sense. I personally haven't had that situation too often because I'm in the middle. I'm a middleweight. Like you're in the middle, but you've had you've been on the other end of it in the sense that you've beaten dudes in the absolute division who are way bigger than you. Yes. Right? Yes. So like yes. if like you know Yeah, that's like that is true. That is true. I've been if, on the opposite in end. In yeah. that case, like I mean, for example, like don't you th- the conversation we're having now, it's let's imagine I'm coaching or Casper, who you've met, right? But for those, Casper's one of my students who is 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but he'd be like 110 kilos, jacked, Muscle. Polish yeah. dude. He, I think we, he, he came up previously on an episode. He works as like a stonemason is his job. He's like hauls granite all day. Polish stonemason. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so like, and he fights absolute or whatever. So if Casper lost to a 60, 70 kilo guy, which Casper's a blue belt, right? So obviously regardless of win or lose, he's got a long way to go. But if Casper lost to a 70 kilo blue belt, like I would be having a conversation about like, this is how you deal with a smaller dude. Cause obviously you lost to him. So it's not just as simple as, you know, or like, and like I said, yeah, it's a different attributes. Okay. Maybe he lost to you because, you know, he was absurdly more technical than you. Okay, yeah, like let's, you know, we got stuff to work on. But like, you know, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like you approach the match completely incorrectly. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, like I said, you've been on, you're in the middle. So you, it's hard for you to find someone that much smaller than you. Like Mm -hmm. you'd have have to be going down to, you know, like the super tiny dudes and Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of them. Yeah. And for you for you to get that that sense of feeling, but then even then, again, your body type—it's not like you're tall for your weight division, no. you know. Like, no, like you're also not, I'm, I'm yeah, exactly. You're also not short, short for your weight division. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, so like I th- straight in the middle, yeah, yeah. So I I think it is a conversation worth having. 
Yeah. I often come up in, in matches, I either come up against someone that's the same height as me or taller. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. And see, I was the opposite. I, like all through through the belts, yeah. I think I could count on one hand the amount of times I fought dudes my height. Well, you you, know? you just said you compete at 88. I compete at 88. You're six foot yeah. four. I'm, I'm like 5'10 on a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, for, I mean, for me to make 88 again, it would require... Like, I don't even know if I have the willpower in me for the amount of dieting that would, or nutrition plan following that Man. would, that would, I know someone who, I know someone who can write a great program, but I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking with the gi 88. So we're talking 14 kilos to lose, you know, like that's a fucking lot of weight, bro. Like yeah, take, take a, a take some time to do it properly. But, um, yeah, or more, I guess. Sometimes, like, I mean, fuck. Depends how strict you are, I guess. And we could do it. We could, could do it in fucking six months. But I'm just saying, like, I could go. <laughs> so I heard an interview. You know how talking about losing weight. Obviously, celebrities, actors go through huge body transformations, and you you can throw the argument of yeah, I could do that if I had a personal chef and I was getting paid fifty million dollars. And it's like okay, maybe like. Maybe a lot yeah, of people, right, yeah. that one motivating factor is all it would take. But mm. even with the motivating factor of millions of dollars, it's still difficult. Like, especially if we're looking at shit like um, Matthew McConaughey in, what was it, Dallas Buyers Club, I think. And like mm-hmm. the, the like Christian Bale in The Machinist. Like, bro, even with millions of dollars, like that is, that's crazy shit. But I, I think Matthew McConaughey was doing heaps of runs and barely eating stuff and whatever. And I saw in an interview something along the lines of like he hurt his ankle while he was losing all this weight. And then he realized that he could just eat fuck all and drink as much red wine as he wanted and didn't have to run. And he, the weight was still coming off him. And he's like, well, why am I going for these runs? Yeah. <laughs> Be healthy. Yeah, 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 um, totally. Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, so back to these little – Motherfuckers, <laughs> that's so frustrating. Um, so I've spent, I've trained a lot with guys, not just like smaller than me because I'm on the heavier end, but like the small, flexible guard players who are incredibly competent at their guards as well. So I spent a long time with Michael Lange, you know, still to this day the best spider guard player in the world. Um, and then I've spent a lot of time with uh, Levi Jones-Leary, which is one of Australia's biggest names, and then also one of Australia's top black belts who hasn't had the fame that Levi's had, but he's still incredibly good, is is Ari Ari Tabak, his last name, I believe it is. And they, I mean, Ari has some of the most flexible guard retention. Like him and Lachlan Giles did a, a guard retention course i don't know if it, they was it was pre-submeta and it went to bdj fanatics or if it's on submeta i'm not sure but lachlan giles and ari have a guard retention course so i spent like a lot of time training with some of the smaller dudes with crazy flexible guards and in my opinion if you want to pass their guard it's a bit of a catch-22 which is that the one of the best ways to pass their guard is with stack pass 
styles of passing, big, heavy, pressure, stack pass. But the catch to that is that because that's the best way to pass their guard and kind of like the only way you can pass their guard, everyone tries to pass their guard like that. So therefore they've spent years being incredibly good at either defending those passes or never even letting you get the necessary you know, grips or whatever for that pass to eventuate. And even as someone the same weight as those dudes, I still think that's the case. And I'll tell you why. When you watch like two lightweights or featherweights or whatever, why do you think it's so common that there isn't a guard pass? There's like even the dude from the top will go for some like bolo rolling back take or whatever. Because it's like to some degree, there's almost like this accepted, well, the guard's impassable. So the only way to progress is to get straight to the back because I can't, there's like no one's passing either person's guard, you know? And then when you add in the fact that if they're the same weight, they don't have the, the, weight, advan- the weight advantage for the stack pass, for the pressure pass to pay off. Mm. So, so that's a dead end. So they go down the route of like bolos from the top and crab ride and all this sort of stuff. Um, Usually they're guard specialists, right? Because in the coming up through the ranks, if you're naturally a 66 kilo competitor, and even with the average, not, I'm not saying everyone needs to be 100 kilos that you're rolling with, but even with the average spread, even a 66 kilo person going up against something that's like 80 kilos, it's still a weight advantage. So normally they'll probably be playing guard throughout their entire careers. They're guard specialists. The two guard specialists clash, you know, good luck. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. That, that tends to be what happens. Hence why they, you know, we had a whole period of like double guard pulls and people getting DQ'd for double guard pulls and not no one coming up. Like, so, you know, back before you started training, Kieran, the whole, so now if you double guard pull, if one person like concedes the double guard pull and comes up on top, they get an, an advantage for that. Oh, I thought they just got points. No, no, they get, okay. they get an advantage for it. Mm. Uh, but previously, you got nothing for that. There was zero incentive for coming up. Mm. So, you know, uh, yeah, we had that whole period. But when you're a bigger guy, if you can progress your stack pass, you like you have the weight and the pressure to... To, to kind of get the job done to some yeah. degree. Now, I remember even Levi telling me years ago who he got his black belt from Murillo Santana from, from Unity. And apparently he told me that even, even right to when Levi got his black belt where his guard was already insanely good, he used to tell me that Murillo would just smoke through his guard. And Murillo's a bigger dude, but he's not a 100 kilo dude. Right, like I think he's around the the eighty eight, which is still bigger than Levi, but and Marillo would just do essentially over under passes and stack passes, and 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 the reason it's so valuable is you can you 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 get the hip control, ideally the hip control necessary to avoid the amount of inverting and mobility that these smaller guard players have, so you can so you can get control of the hip and you can just create a huge amount of discomfort over a long period of time which can then eventuate into separating the knees from the chest 
but it's by no means a quick pass. The last time I rolled with Ari was probably about two years ago. And I think it took like, man, something insane, something like seven minutes or something of having Ari in a stack pass with his like inner thighs touching his earlobes and just like, just until I could eventually get a wedge in between his, his, his quad and his chest. And I, and you know, and I got, did this stack pass that goes around to north south and then you know if it was a comp we were just rolling if it were a comp i would have gotten the points but then like instantly he did this invert thing and just like regarded from north south like and i like i wasn't even mad i laughed i was just like so impressed at the regard but but it definitely highlights the frustration of of, of rolling with these smaller dudes i find it a, a real pain and a real chore to be able to you know, to, 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 there's just, man, there's just not, a, I always feel about it like it's a cartoon where I'm the big dopey ogre and there's a small dude on my back and I'm just like, oh, and I can, and I can yeah. just never catch them. Is it, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. But I, from my perspective, like, you know, rolling up against bigger guys, when once you do get past... Like once you do pass the guard and you can consolidate unless they explode out like the with Ari and like you know you can never consolidate properly. Once you consolidate, if you're if you have a thirty kilo weight advantage, you're you're pretty you're pretty solid. <laughs> the the small guy, you know, once the guard is passed, getting out of a bad position with a heavier opponent is fucked. Is fucked. Even if the weight advantage is only like ten kilos, it can be the difference between you getting out and getting and not getting out. Like I'm talking eco skill here, or even if they, you know, the person stuck on the bottom is a little bit more skilled. It's the the weight really shows its advantage in those dominant positions. Yeah, that's right. Like, and often if I'm having the opposite of this conversation, if I'm so many times, yeah, like I can't think of the amount of be like at least. 50 to 1, the amount of time someone asks me how to deal with a smaller opponent, most of the time people are asking you how to deal with a bigger, stronger opponent. Yeah. And and I'm always talking about, well, man, you can't let that weight settle on you. Like you almost got to you almost got to imagine that that cross face chest to chest position, like that may as well yeah. be a submission. Yeah, or yeah, that is yeah. a pass, you know, yeah. like cuz you're so fucked from there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But Unfortunately, it usually takes, and this probably came up talking about dealing with bigger opponents, the the technique required to deal with a bigger opponent is like, how do I explain this? Like it's, you know, if, let me just give like a silly metric. Like if we just put it into numbers to make it real simple, like let's imagine you had um, technique points and kilograms. So if someone's 10 kilos heavier than you, you don't need 10 technique points. It's almost like you need 20 technique points to deal with that. Like, like you need way more technique to deal with the weight. And that is even, that's compounded massively once you get over a certain weight. And the example, the example I always give is, is I say, 
well, once you get, I use 100 kilos as the more or less benchmark. I go, once someone's over 100 kilos, the amount of technique required to deal with that amount of weight and mass is huge, right? Like they just have such a big advantage. So when you do see a small dude dealing with that person, they're typically very, very technical because it just becomes a matter of physics, really. And what I mean by that is, you know, and I don't know, I feel like I had this conversation either on this podcast recently or with a student recently. So forgive me if this came up a couple of episodes ago. Um, but yeah, like if I lined up next to you, Kieran, like two barbells and, and you can't see the plates or the plates are invisible, it doesn't matter, that they look identical, but one weighs, you know, one ton and one weighs two tons and I ask you to deadlift them and then tell me which one's heavier, it'd be irrelevant. You can't tell me because like you can't move either of them, yeah. right? So it's, so it's almost like that. Like once you get to a certain weight, it kind of like doesn't matter because yeah. you like the physics come into play. Yeah, that's a really good I, analogy. Yeah. yeah, and I know that's kind of casting a quite a vague thing, but, you know, so that's why you that see people... Sense. That's why you see people who, um, let's say again, someone who's come up in the in in the podcast heaps of times, Eric, who's like a ninety kilo, ninety five kilo blue belt, who is a handful for everyone, and then you've got me, who's a professional black belt, it's what I do for a career, and you've got this other black belt in the gym, Carl, who's about one hundred and ten kilos, but he's not a career black belt. Eric has a way harder time rolling with Carl than he does with me, right? Whereas for me, I have a harder time with Eric, the blue belt, than I do with Carl. Because, like, Eric can't deal with that amount of weight and mass. He's not technical enough yet. But with me, he can kind of, even though I'm 100 kilos, like, Eric and I have very similar body types, right? We're both the same height. And, you know, so Eric can kind of essentially physically bully me but he can't to Carl, right? And and that's just like an example of how the technique required to deal with someone. And again, I just use vaguely a hundred kilos, right? As the, the cutoff for when you struggle to deal with weight. That's like straight up rock, paper, scissors shit, bro. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you would agree, right? Like, don't, yeah. don't you reckon? Like there's once... There's there's people that okay maybe not recently but I know that if I chucked a hundred kilo hundred and ten kilo blue belt on top of you that I know you're more technical than like the 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 weight gets to a certain point that it's just really hard to deal with like you need yeah. a huge amount of technique to overcome that amount of weight yeah you know yeah. it's not this linear progression that oh I'm I'm two percent more technical than this dude so that should carry me. That should offset the 50 kilos. No, nah, bro. No way. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's like a weight advantage is cheap and a technical advantage is expensive in this metric. Mm. Like having a couple extra kilos buys, has more buying power, if you will, than having a couple extra technique points in the, yeah. the arbitrary sort of like random scale that we've assigned it. Um, and I couldn't agree more. Like you need way more technique to off-balance a strength and size advantage. So if your opponent... But there is a big difference between someone, and I will, you know, this is pointing out the obvious, but I have to say it. There's a big fucking difference between rolling with a training partner who's 100 kilos and really fucking strong and a, and a guy that's 100 kilos and is 100 kilos a pudge. 
it's yeah. it's like not even yeah. night and day. It's, yeah, it's yeah, night yeah. and day. The hundred kilo of Pudge may as well be another like seventy kilo dude. It doesn't matter. Their weight, you know, is so long as you are strong enough to move their weight. Like I'm strong enough to move around a hundred kilo dude. If I get a hundred kilo blue belt, white belt, or whatever, that I'm superior technique wise. hundred kilos isn't not enough of a differential where like the weight is crushing me and I can't breathe sort of thing even you know so I can I can manipulate them however if you replace that 100 kilo pudge with a 100 kilo dude that works in the steel industry and is moving like fucking or a stonemason or a stonemason the reason I said steel <laughs> industry is a, a mate of mine um shout out to Martin he he's 100 kilos and when he gets when I'm on bottom mount it's not like he's 100 kilos he's 100 kilos of fucking muscle and strength it is so difficult to deal with. All of a sudden, his 20 kilo weight advantage on, on me is amplified because it's not just weight, it's muscle, it's strength. But if again, if you get 100 kilos of fucking Play-Doh or, or just fucking, you know, a doughy mass on top of you, it's like, yeah, right, fair enough, we can deal with this. You know what, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's, within well, everything we're talking about, there's, you know, levels within that yeah. as well. But I think it also goes, it, it does also go back the other way to some degree you know, like, so, yeah, like, weight weight is cheaper, but, again, there is, it may be cheaper, but I guess, you know, as you get to the top, I mean, obviously, if you're just looking on paper, the tail of the tate or whatever, the dude who weighs more has an advantage, and I'm not disagreeing mm. with that. But like we saw two weeks ago, Fabrizio on 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 Andres beat people heavier than him, right? So there's it's not as clean cut as that. Yeah. And you know, I I just told the story of how it took like seven minutes of me stack passing Ari to eventually pass his guard for two seconds. It's not like it's not like. Like if I put Casper with Ari, like there's no way he's ever fucking passing Ari's guard. There's no yeah. way, yeah. you know. Like it's not like oh, because he's 110 kilos of muscle, he will, you know. Oh so no, 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 no. There's obviously like, yeah, 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 yeah. there's there's also a big difference between someone who's heavy and someone who knows how to use their weight. Yeah, 100%. so yeah, you definitely have to. Yeah, you definitely have to. So what you know when I said stack passes are a great way to deal with these smaller opponents, you have to know how to use your weight. So one of my other students who is probably about ninety kilos or eighty five, I asked him the other day. I was like, "Oh, how heavy are you?" And um, he's a purple belt, and he kind of laughed. Just I guess because he felt or thought that it was the conversation of like you feel heavy because you're a fat piece of shit. He's not, he's not fat, but he's like an older guy, right? Like he's not 20 or whatever. And, and I said, no, no, because Matt is his name. I said, Matt, it's not because – I said, you're, you weigh 85, 90 kilos. I said, dude, you feel like you're 110 kilos. I, I knew exactly you know, who you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah, bro, yeah. you're – um, his name, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you're so heavy. Like, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I said, not because you're heavy. I mean, I've trained with people – on the scales that are heavier than you, that feel way lighter in a roll. Put his weight on a dime. Matt uses his yeah. his weight and his base so well. It's he's yeah, very very yeah. effective. And I, yeah. I yeah, and so that brings me to our next point. It's about how. So if we're now, if the conversation is about okay, I'm a heavier dude. How do I use that to beat a smaller dude? Well, you have to use your weight to your advantage. 
the same way a smaller dude uses their flexibility, their agility, their their cardio, their whatever attributes they have to their advantage, you have to use yours to your advantage. And I believe years ago, Cobrinha said in an interview or something, something along the lines of, if I were to fight Hodger Gracie and go, I think he was addressing the whole like, you know, oh, you're so big and so strong and, you know, oh, you use so much strength or something like that. And he said, well, if I were to fight Hodger Gracie, and for those who don't know, Cabrinha's tiny, it's like if I were to fight Hodger Gracie and go toe-to-toe with him in, a, in you know, a strength-style jiu-jitsu match, I'd lose every time. But if Hodger came at me in an agility base trying to be faster than me, jiu-jitsu match he would lose every time you have to use the attributes you have so going back to talking about michael langy he was he fought his career at lightweight man he felt he felt like he weighed 100 kilos easy he felt so heavy and like you said the expression he could put his weight on a dime and the example i always give and if people are still tr- struggling to grasp with how important it is to be able to put your weight in the correct place at the correct time, this is the example I always give to, to, to newer students. I get one student to lie flat on their back and then I'll essentially go, not side control, but like imagine side control-ish position and I'll go into a push-up position, but like one hand on top of the other right, instead of a regular push-up, and I'll put both those hands on the near shoulder of that person. And I'll say, all right, no hip escape, no anything. I just want you to turn onto your side like you're rolling over in bed. Turn onto your side. And they easily do it, right? They get up onto their side. I go, okay, now I'm going to do the same thing, but instead I'll be having my hands, that push-up position on your far shoulder. Now turn onto your side. And they can't, right? And it's just like a very clear example of how important it is. Well, I could put all my weight, but if it's in the wrong spot, they're still turning onto their side or they're still doing their hip escape or they're still bridging or whatever it is, right? So your ability to put your weight where you need it at the correct time is how you get heavy in jiu-jitsu. It's a super important skill to learn to be able to then use your weight to deal with with someone who's a bit smaller than you, more flexible, they've got all these other attributes. It's like, what good is the size and strength if you don't know how to use it? Mm-hmm. 100%. Right. I so recently... An, oh, sorry. Sorry, no, 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 you're gone. I was, uh, recently, I think I mentioned this the other day, been training with a high-level black belt in judo. And, uh, you know, I've got easily 10 kilos on him. On, it, on any given day, it's about 10 kilos. He's about 70, 71, 72. I'm about 80, 83, whatever. His ability to use my weight against me and fucking throw me through the air because I'm like just charging into him and just trying to, you know, bully him with my weight. But because I don't know how to use my weight advantage on the feet and obviously I'm getting out techniqued, you know, my, all of a sudden my weight goes from being an ally to a, a liability. You know, some Steven Seagal <laughs> shit, bro. Yeah, legit. It goes from you know, but like, you know, in in judo, in stand up, in st- in judo, 
when technique is similar, weight advantage is make or break. That's why they water cut for their comps. That's why weight divisions are so important in judo, like even more important in judo than it is in jujitsu, I would say. And you could probably argue the same for, I don't know, wrestling as well. Uh, but when you don't know how to use your weight on the feet and you're getting completely outclassed, it's kind of like it, yeah, but particularly the first times with stand-up, like, oh my God, it, I was my weight was definitely a, a liability. It mm. was not helping me at all. Well, we, we've had recently a guy coming into the gym who I'm not going to... I'm not going to mention who he is, but he's a, a, so I'm told, he's a massive name in the rugby league, rugby union, uh, professional scene. I don't follow those sports, so I was unaware. But then I had a few people tell me, it was like, they were like, bro, he's like the, what would be an example? Like, like you know, like one of the current guys, he's like, man, he's like the Mika Galval. Of, of rugby like this is a massive massive prodigy like coming through anyway so he's he's coming because it's the off season for those who don't know rugby league rugby union massive sports in australia and um anyway super nice guy he's probably yeah six four as well i don't know he's similar height to me 19 years old big fit strong and he's just doing a bit of jiu-jitsu as a hobby while it's off season and we did the we did like some side control specific, and yeah, that's funny because you've got someone who his career requires a whole lot of kind of tackling and putting people down on the ground, but he no one he couldn't keep anyone in side control, and uh, you know, and he couldn't escape anyone's side control. Obviously, he's a big professional athlete. Put a 50-kilo person on him, he could literally like bench them press them, Turkish yeah, yeah, get up yeah. them off because he's a big 100-plus-kilo yeah. dude. Uh, but, but you know, it, just to hammer home the whole... Well, you can be heavier and stronger, but there's still technique required in being able to use that, right? Because you have Definitely. yeah, a 100-kilo dude who comes from another sport is a professional athlete, and it's not as simple as you're bigger and stronger so so you can win. Mm. Yeah, I definitely in, agree. In short, I would say eat more though. Definitely. Get, definitely just get more. bigger. Get bulked. <laughs> get big, get big son, fill up to the weight yeah. bracket. You know how it is. Uh in terms of in terms of dealing with these small smaller people, if you will, as a bigger person. I don't really have much more to say other than those two things really, which is just to to refresh it. If we're talking about their guard, I honestly believe that that pressure passing over under stack passing is the way to go. It's the best way to control the hips, which is where everyone should know the majority of your jiu-jitsu guard mobility comes from is your hips and your core. So if you can control that and and slowly open that knee to chest connection and then put a wedge in there another great example of this actually which is not actually small guy counters but if you go back to one of the few people who would beat Bernardo Faria which was Adolfo Vieira he would pass and then he would do this kind of he would there's no better way to explain it other than like 
imagine you had a stick and you would decide, you, you know how like when you're a kid and you collect sticks and you like break a stick with your shin or your yep. knee, right? Because yep. you need to, you need a smaller stick or whatever. Yep. And maybe, maybe for some it's reason like you decide, shit. you decide to like break it over your head or whatever. That's almost what Hadolfo would do. It was like he would have Bernardo's like collar and Bernardo's yeah. pants and be like prying it open and then wedging his head like yeah. in the middle, like to to keep that to to not allow that that quad to torso connection. Yeah, I, I so, end up in that position often from like the the from over under sort of or from pressure passing yeah Yeah, so you you know what i mean it's similar to like you you kind of get there from a leg weave pass as well really common yeah Um, Yeah, because you already have the collar and you have the pants yeah Yeah, 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 exactly so that's one of the i honestly believe one of the best ways to pass but Mm. then yeah you really have to if we're now talking seriously about it like you're a bigger dude and you're going into the absolute division and you're against a smaller dude right yeah like we've seen multiple times the smaller people beat the bigger dude so obviously well what do i if i'm the bigger dude what do i need to do you need to use your attributes to your advantage right so don't like you have to know that the dude's going to be faster than you so don't try to like don't try to be faster than him use Get hold of the motherfucker, hold on to him. Literally the same way shit plays out in anime, right? Like you're the bigger dude. You yeah, like just crush, put knee on belly, bro. You yeah. know, we joke, but like <laughs> you get yeah. knee on belly and absolute, just hold it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's fine. you just crack that nut and you're fine, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I want to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna move on to now what is zero relation to jujitsu, but Excellent. I wanna give, I wanna, I wanna share my my something interesting, which is this like, I think it's a, a laughable story. I think it's just weird how this st- story has played out all within like one week, right? Yeah. So, for some reason. I don't know why, but probably, I mean, I have a four-year-old son, so cartoons are in my life. But for some reason, Pokemon was in my head, right? Everyone knows Pokemon. And then I was like, when I, when I was a kid, I used to watch Pokemon and I had some Pokemon cards and whatever. So then I kind of like went down this Pokemon rabbit hole and I was like, oh, I'm going to like, I wonder if my mom's still got my old Pokemon card, like Pokemon cards. And, and then I started Googling some of the cards. I was like, holy shit, some of the old cards are worth like, the most expensive ones worth $30,000, Dep- obviously condition, condition depending. And I never had a huge amount of cards, but they were in like a, a binder in little plastic sleeves and stuff. And I was like, mom, can you try find my cards? Like, you know, I was like, I know I don't have this one that was worth 30 grand. Because I wanted it at the time when I was a kid. I remember that was card. Charizard, is it? It was, exactly. It was like one of the shiny Charizard, Charizard yeah. ones. Yeah, man. That in mint condition apparently goes for 20 to 30 grand. And then, but then I was like, oh, if my mom finds the cards, maybe I've got one card that's worth 200 bucks and another card that's worth 50 and a few others. And I was like, plus I would just was then going down this rabbit hole of nostalgia. And I was like, oh, if she can find them, it'd be cool to just look at them again, right? Anyway, she hasn't been able to find them. They've for sure been thrown out years ago. Yeah. Uh, so then that 
so then right after that, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch some of the old Pokemon with my son. Again, he's four and a half. So, so then I was like watching some of the OG Pokemon episodes or something, which he wasn't too into. And then I started to get more into than him. And I was like watching Pokemon and whatever. And then he wasn't uh, even in the room. And you wasn't <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yep. Right. And then after that, I checked my mail and I've, recently-ish moved house and I checked my mail and there's some like blankish mail that's addressed to what I assume is the previous tenant because it's not addressed to me. And in Australia, it's really common to get these sort of blank envelopes that will have like a fridge magnet in them and then it'll just be like call for emergency plumbing or like lose power in the middle of the night, call us, like super, super common. I don't need magnets. I have so many magnets on my fridge and I don't collect magnets, but for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason I was like, I want that magnet. So I opened it and it was fucking, it wasn't a magnet. It was Pokemon cards. And I was like, what the, I was like, wait, 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 what the, the letter was addressed to your house. Yes. Okay. So it wasn't, it didn't have someone else's name on it, right? No, Kieran. It didn't have someone else's <laughs> name on it. Because that's it a was, federal crime, Adam. <laughs> it, it was addressed to my house. Okay. And Let's I was it. like, and I was like, I want this magnet. So I opened and it. There was fucking cards in there. Wow. There was Pokemon cards in it. What? The and I was fuck? like, I was like, what? And then the story keeps going. And then <laughs> this is all happening in the one week. And okay. then the next day. I walk past this shop that I walk past all the time. Mm. I've been walking past it. It's like a news agency in a shopping complex. And I've walked past it so many times every day over the last however many months. But then I walk past it on this day and it's just got an A4 piece of paper and it's just like written up on it like Pokemon cards available here. And sticky taped on the wall. That sign has never been there before. And I was sure. like, I was like, what is happening? Man. I, I've, I need to like sell my gym, go into the right. Pokemon business, man. Japanese I don't know. Taking over. It, it was, that was, I know it's not that interesting, but that was my week of wacky uh, fucking Pokemon. Like it was just one thing after the other of Pokemon. Like, but the yeah. one that tripped me was the like, cards in the mail i was like i was that's weird i was like what and they were in japanese they were like the japanese cards as well they weren't even english cards and i was like what i'd be scared of them they could probably have traces in them no i already did they were worth like 12 cents each yeah got rid of them anyway that was my thing it was fucking weird Shit, well, (laughs) my something interesting is really lame i mine's like a I just wanted to follow up with, uh, what episode was it? 151? 151, yeah. When I, we had post-competition analysis and banter. So the I mentioned that I was posting the competition footage. It's now on YouTube. It, yeah, it's up. It's called uh, The Fastest Sub I've Gotten in a BJJ Comp. And you can check that out on my YouTube channel. But only reason I mention it, not for like a triple plug, but more so that we, we did an episode on it. So if you want to see what we're talking about, there it is. Yeah, I'll say, cool, that's wait. I mean, I think 
at the end of the day, that's more interesting than mine. Mine was just a shitty story about coincidences. Yours was jujitsu related. <laughs> so, I mean, like... But at that cop, there was Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. Although, I mean, you're due a phone in because last week you had like three for your something Yeah, that's true. I did. Wait, this one was a phone in a little bit, but not really. But yeah, I did have three last week and they were very interesting. It's hard, man. I live a very boring life. It's hard to find something interesting every week. <laughs> no, I like no. the Pokemon story. No. It was, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking, it was whack, man, I, it was wacky. But I have had no interactions with Pokemon since. Okay. Except, okay. For the, except, for, except for the tattoo I got yesterday. Yeah. I've had no interactions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, guys, that's going to be it from us. Next episode, 154. But then after that, I'm looking forward to, to 155, which will be the second episode of our recurring every 10 episodes theme of of what kieran and i have been working on for the past more or less three months right is how it works out roughly so i'm looking forward to that but yes as always guys you know where to find us there's now even more social media platforms you can find us on but you send us messages anywhere any questions